In this episode, I have a very special guest, Joel Willens, who's an author, creative director, and the founder of various popular online communities, including Very Finnish Problems, which is one of Finland's most popular social media brands. I've had the pleasure of working with Joel in the past, and he's one of my favorite people to talk to because he's always full of stories and does not hold back with his opinions. Here, we discuss the difference between sales and marketing, the difference between selling to Finns and selling to non-Finns, whether it has something to do with attention spans. Joel also shared some insider tips on how he launched a Facebook page from zero to 15,000 fans in one month organically. And my favorite part is actually when he shares some of the world's happiest words, two of which are, and I honestly can't say them without smiling, so two of the world's happiest words, lampy pampy <laughs> and poopoo, poopoo. How can you not love those words? Anyway, for more of the happiest words in the world, as well as fun stories about content marketing in Finland, let's get to it. Here's Joel. I was thinking, um, there is nobody, there's very few people better suited, because the name of this podcast is Marketing Helsinki. And there's very few yeah. people better suited to talk about marketing and Helsinki than you. Like, I can't think of many <laughs> other people. So I'm really excited to do this with you. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> so I think about whilst I was walking down here about like marketing and how I sort of fell into that rather than it was any. Oh, was awesome. Like, Already yeah, you're going into it. All right. T- tell me, how did yeah. you fall into it, please? Well, uh, I mean, originally, I, as you may remember, I worked in sales in the UK. Mm. I was a sales manager of a couple of magazines and I had quite a lot of distaste for marketeers, actually. I mm. always thought like, why? Cause, because when you're selling, mm. I always felt, like, you know, what all you need to do to sell stuff is actually to go and pitch people and promote your product. And what were marketeers really doing? Just sort of faffing around. <laughs> uh, it's like, um, so yeah, I only really got into marketing as a result of being uh, studying creative writing and when coming to Finland, not being able to do sales because my finish was poor and it's still quite, well, still not as good as it should be. Uh, so then I started copywriting and I fell into marketing via mm. copywriting. For now, copywriting. all right, this is super interesting because you're saying there's a divide or, or in your mind, there's a divide between sales and marketing. Uh, yeah, like oh, salespeople t- look down upon marketing. So, is that? Are you saying it's because it's a? What's the difference to you? Is it the difference between going out and outbound versus pulling in inbound? Yeah, I think I don't know. If it, I mean, maybe it's a bit harsh to say there's like a distinct <laughs> marketing. I don't know. I mean, I just always felt that it was like if you and I still think that of course the best way to sell anything is to go in person and pitch the person who's making the decision uh, and the person who's going to buy the product. But ultimately, of course, my, the thing about marketing is, you know, the thing about sales is it's just impossible to physically go out and pitch, depending on the product. You know, if you're selling to thousands and tens of thousands of people, exactly. you can't have individual salespeople going out and pitching individually to all those people. So, yeah, I think marketing is 
you're, you're never going to replace an in, a talented salesperson pitching individually to the, per, the decision maker. So marketing is always to an extent going to be second best. Um, I'm so surprised to hear that because to me, you're the king of marketing, right? In terms of the, your Facebook pages and your viral content, because that's not selling, that's marketing. So, well, before we continue, can you quickly give us a, a quick, you, you kind of give us a, a path into marketing, but give, give me like a quick CV, like your two sentence. When you meet somebody today and they ask, what do you do? How do you respond? <laughs> <laughs> a new person uh, it depends on who i'm meeting to be, to be honest with you i have fingers in many pies but i mean like creative director of ink tank media like content marketing agency but i'm also an author three books in the bank uh and the creative very finished problems which now has almost seven hundred thousand fans uh on five different social media channels so so I know. exactly right that's my point so to me it seems like you're you're one of the people who who are at the forefront of content marketing and that's not selling, right? That's, that's marketing. So I'm really surprised to hear that somebody who I see as a genius marketer, you don't really value marketing. Uh, I, don't, I don't not just, I don't not value it, but I don't really see, I mean, content marketing. Uh, I mean, ultimately the whole point of all marketing is to sell stuff, isn't it? I mean, people mm. can tiptoe around that and pretend they're doing all this creative genius stuff <laughs> and all the creative stuff. Look at the amazing campaigns we've done. Look at the amazing copy we've written. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're not selling the product, it doesn't matter how fancy your pictures are, how beautiful your films are, or how mar- marvellous your words are. If they're not selling the product, they're not doing the job, are they? So that's where, you know, I like creating beautiful things and I love creating beautiful things that loads of people see. Um, and you know content marketing in that sense is a is a is a blessing for me personally because it means you're it's given storytelling made storytelling at the forefront of marketing but ultimately at the end of the day if that if you can get like a million views but if you get a million views and you don't sell a single thing then Mm. i would argue that you failed so like you know that may be a brutal assessment and you know a lot of marketeers because they've never really worked in sales they they judged they judge success in a different way. I mean, you look at marketing awards and it's just a massive circle jerk as far as I'm concerned. It's like a, loads of marketeers patting each other on the back about how fantastic their yeah. campaigns are. But ultimately, the only way you should judge a marketing campaign, in my opinion, is what's the return on investment? Have you made more money than you invested in that campaign? If the answer is no, it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. It doesn't matter how, how many awards it's won, it's failed. Yeah, that's awesome. And only when you say it now that I come to think of it, now I know what you mean, because yes, you're saying that if marketing stops at, you know, getting the numbers and the views, but it doesn't go as far as getting the sale, then it's pretty pointless. You're saying like, we should have, we should have a, a view of the big picture. That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's totally pointless. Of course you could argue. I mean, it's all about, you know, it's all about the funnel. It's all about brand where, you know, you could say, okay, I get a million views, but I didn't sell anything, but I've made a million people aware of my product and I've put them on the path to buying. So there is that argument. And, you know, marketing agencies and advertising agencies for the entire time I've been working in this industry, which is now, which is now what, 20, 25 years almost, mm. which is quite something, you know, from sales and marketing, it's always been about proving that your investment is working. And even when I worked in advertising sales, it was always the same. People would say, you know, here's my marketing budget. Can you prove that I'm going to, this advert's going to work for me? And we'd always say, no, we can't prove that, but you get brand awareness. So it's always like a get out of jail card. But now in the area of digital marketing, you don't really have that. I think you have less opportunity to have that excuse. 
Uh, and you can see that with, I mean, Facebook, all like online marketing, Facebook advertising, you can directly see how much money you spend on that Facebook campaign and how many sales you make. If you've got an on- online shop, for example, mm. and I've become a lot more like this since doing like online stores, like very finished problems has a pretty, has an online store now, which is pretty much a standalone business. Mm. So I can see how much money I don't know. I actually invest very little in Facebook ads, but I can see when I do invest mm. money in Facebook ads, how that converts and how much stuff I sell. And it's actually quite nice because it's, you know, it's very tangible. Yeah. Numbers, clear numbers. numbers. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, that brings us nicely onto very finished problems. Do you remember? I would love it if you do like remember the very first post you made. If not, do you remember like the first say week of very finished problems? Like, can you take me back to the beginning? That's a really interesting question. I get, I've been on quite a few podcasts and no one's ever asked me what the first per, first, first post was. Yeah. Do you so remember it? challenging my rapidly, <laughs> yes. rapidly failing memory. Um, <laughs> what was the very first? I have a vague, I can't, I should go back and I could find out by going back and checking, but I can't quite remember. I can't remember to be honest, but it was likely something to do with the weather. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. But that's already a nice, nice insight because you're saying that the very first post is still there because a lot of accounts, Honestly, when that, they, yeah. when they become uh, to a certain level, they delete the earlier posts. So are you saying your very first post is actually the very first post you made? Because yeah, if that's I mean, the case, we can go and look at it. I mean, I'll go and look yeah, at it we later. Yeah, like the very first post I made was one I just found. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I started to make them a bit later on. Because to start with, it was just a, an experiment to see what would work and what wouldn't. But we could go back and see the first week or so. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so and I, I'd, I wouldn't be at all surprised to discover that all the themes that regularly crop up um, are represented in the first week or month. Mm. So weather, language, sauna, character, uh, forest, you know, all those <laughs> things. That what year was it? Do you remember that. when was it approximately? I think it's four years ago. Okay. So insane, actually. Um, yeah, I think it's 2017. And so you said you started it off as an experiment. So did you experiment other ideas before you settled on very finished problems? Um, well, I've got loads of sort of online communities. I mean, my biggest one is on Reddit, which has like 15 million, wow. 15 million followers now. Yeah, old school, cool. So, but uh, yeah, I've got a lot of different, a lot of different Twitter feeds. I'm always experimenting with like coming up, Growing communities and growth hacking stuff was always fascinating to me. Ever since the we started doing content marketing for Nokia, and I wanted to have a uh, create audiences that would engage with the content we we're doing. So rather than relying on other people's audiences, I realised it's cool to create our own audience. And so I was creating subreddits, Facebook pages of Nokia fans, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But for very finished problems, it was yeah, it was just like a bet to see. And to prove that I could create a Facebook page with like 10,000 followers in a month without spending a penny on no Facebook. No way. Avatar. Wait, so I didn't know these numbers. So you went from zero to 10,000 in a month? I went from zero to about 15, 20,000 in a month. But the, the bet was for 10. Yeah, but I mean, that, that was like, it's different time. It was strange, yes, actually. I was discussing years. this today. Yeah, it was Facebook's like, I mean, Facebook's evolved so much. And it's just, you know, ultimately the, the aim of Facebook has always been 
and he's, he's more barefaced in it now. He's like, you know, I just, they just want your money mm. and they don't want to give any organic loot to anything. Mm. So they want you to pay for everything. So now, I mean, you know, if you knew, knew what you were doing four years ago and had some good ideas, you could grow a page organically mm. relatively easily. But now it's a lot more tricky, sadly. Yes. Yes. We hear that all the time. So, well, before we talk about now, so back then, zero to fifteen twenty thousand in a month what yeah. were some of those the tactics that you used back then that don't necessarily work now like could you share some of the old school methods before we talk about new methods yeah well i think um i mean it's obviously the facebook algorithm the, the fact that it gives you know the the, the, alg- the news feed is more is more populated than ever and also for example video has changed a lot like it used to be the case that you could get a clip of a small clip of like video and if it was had like viral potential it could reach loads and loads of people like my biggest video on on uh, uh very fish problems something like 10 million or something mm. uh, on very brexit problems my very big which is another community I have. <laughs> don't get me started uh on that like 20 million and that's all organic and it used to be but now facebook has changed the way they do video like you don't get automatic views and they have this what facebook watch which is their competitor to youtube so video performs a lot worse than it used to so um i think it's just the fact that facebook just rewards different types of content now and just Mm. wants you to pay so i mean the techniques i used then i would still use and in some ways it's easier because for example cross like one way to grow a page even now is to have i mean first of all you need to find your niche you need to find something, mm. you know, quite specific. Uh, and then you just need to find like maybe a dozen groups that follow, have a similar similar theme and then you mm. just cross-post into those groups. I mean, a lot of stuff I used to do was also to cross-post into other pages. So there's a lot of cross-posting, cross-polarization, finding audiences that already exist and creating content that they would like and then sharing it in those places. But when you say find groups, do you mean post your page on the groups? Don't they frown yeah, so, upon that? Not if it's relevant. If I'm doing, if I'm doing a like bonsai fans of the world ah, Facebook page, okay. yeah. and I find bonsai fans of Helsinki, <laughs> bonsai fans of, you know what I mean? And then yeah. as long as the post is relevant, of course, if it's totally irrelevant, then you're spamming them. But if you're creating relevant content, then there's absolutely no reason yep. why people would be frowned upon. So yeah, I mean, it's cool if you're doing stuff that. And the thing about very finished problems is. It's on the one hand very specific. It's specific to a country, but on the other hand, it's very general because it's literally anything to do with Finland. So, in that <laughs> sense, yeah, you know, in that case, you'll see very Finnish problems stuff crop up all over the place. Mm. And like our biggest, yes. some of our after Finland, I mean, most of the fans are in Finland, but the second biggest audience is in America because yep. there's like seven hundred and fifty thousand Americans with Finnish ancestry. Yep, exactly, are, and they're even people. more obsessed sometimes. Yeah. I- obsessed they're obs- i mean it's for them it's like they're like they treat you like some weird nordic disney exactly. where <laughs> yeah yeah they've never been here a lot of them got like sissel bumper stickers yep. and like finland tattoos <laughs> and they've never they can't speak finish so very finished problems <laughs> is a window for them into into finland so yeah there's loads of people who have an interest in finland who you wouldn't expect and so there's a wealth of and facebook's really promoted groups um in the last couple of years hmm. so so there's a lot of groups like that. And even Very Finished Problems has a group, the, the Very Finished Problems Hangout, I think. I can't remember the name of it, but it's got wow. like 15,000, 16,000 followers. It lives its own life, basically. Awesome. So you were talking about the algorithm. Um, 
wanting, they just want money now. Looking at it from a fan's point of view, does it mean that I'm not getting content from my favorite page because my favorite page has stopped paying Facebook? Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, you know, what you, when you, I mean, you're probably fan, you're probably like, you've probably liked, I mean, most people like dozens of pages. Hmm. But you think about, you go through all the pages you've liked and you, you look at how many times. A lot of them don't show up. Yeah, they never show up. Definitely. Because they are not, but then of course, Facebook also looks at the, uh, looks at the engagement. Like very finished problems is re- is a really highly engaged page. I mean, it gets like five to 10 million reach a month organically. So Facebook does show my stuff, to, still shows very finished problem stuff to people because ultimately Facebook's main priority is that people stay on Facebook. So if they see that your content is people are engaging with it then they will show your content to people and of course if people share your content then it goes on their news feed so the reason you're not seeing your pages you like are twofold first of all facebook wants money and they've always mm. wanted money mm. uh, and secondly your page probably hasn't got any decent engagement so it's not getting organic reach mm. i mean i never see very finished problems on my news feed <laughs> bizarrely enough but then i don't really go on I, lo- I use facebook in a very different way to most people i don't use facebook i actually don't even like Facebook particularly. I mean, I've never, I haven't liked it for years. I mean, it's just, so I use it just as a, like a business thing where, you know, my aim is to grow the community, uh, keep them happy um, and showcase content that's, you know, and showcase, basically showcase the shop. Um, and so I use it more of just, I just go to very finished problems and just schedule stuff and I just, I just leave it. Yeah. So you still schedule stuff yourself. Like you still do the posting and, uh, yeah, do you come up with the stuff yourself? Uh, mainly, yeah, I still come up with stuff myself. But also, there's a lot of stuff that it's stuff that's topical. So, I mean, events in the news. So, for example, recently we did a post about like comparing the ludicrous like scandal of um, Sana Martin apparently having her breakfast paid for by the budget. <laughs> comparing that with like Boris Johnson's like. In a total fucking inability to like control Corona and the deaths of tens of thousands of people. So that was like a very topical post, like UK versus Finnish scandals, which did really well. They always do really well. But then there's some stuff that's like, you know, you can use year after year, like anything to do with Apple, anything to do with Easter, those sort of things. So there's stuff you just regurgitate and reuse and adapt old stuff. Um, and so it's a, a mixture of, old stuff being re readapted uh, and new stuff. And so, yeah, I have like a big I have a piece of software where I schedule everything, everything scheduled. Some stuff I delegate. Mainly I sort of do it myself still because it's a labor of love. I still yes. get a buzz out of loads of people seeing stuff. Yeah, of course. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, let's move on to your author career. So can you tell me about the three books? Because the last time I spoke to you, I think you were still working on the second one. So, well, what are the three books, first of all? The first one was a short story collection called um, Spellbound. I forgot the title then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Spellbound, Stories of Women's Magic Over Men. It was like 20 short stories uh, published in the UK. came out about nine years ago. Was it nine years? Quite a while ago. Mm. Uh, and that was fiction, which is my first true love and which I was really into. And I was having loads of getting stuff published on the B- read on the BBC radio. I was winning those of prizes in loads of anthologies, et cetera, et cetera. Then I had my first child, Elliot and, uh, wonderful 
child, happy to be a father, but stopped sleeping, didn't write. And my yep. fiction has really, really suffered since then. But then I did the two very finished problems books, 101 very finished problems, and the imaginatively titled uh, follow-up, more very finished problems, and even more essential <laughs> living in Finland. And um, yeah, they about did those in the last few years. So I think the more very finished problems came out a couple of years ago. And in fact, last week I was recording the audio book for 101 Very Finished Problems. So they're still sort of going strong. And I still awesome. sell, sell loads of them on the, the veryfinishedproblems.com shop, actually. So, um, so yeah, but a nonfiction is so much easier to write than fiction. Yes, I totally uh, understand coming from fiction background myself. So I completely, completely know what you mean yeah. like in terms of stopping when you have the kids <laughs> not that we don't love our kids but yeah exactly yeah but i'm trying to get into the fiction again I try, yeah i was gonna like, ask you like do you have any plans well i have this novel which i've had for like about about, about eight years hmm. and at the time before i had before when i was really into writing and at that time i was just right i was in like this very small writing group and i was a lot of people i was in this writing group with I've gone on to be really quite successful novelists and they've just carried on. And uh, I had a novel, I had an agent, I had people like willing to look at it, et cetera, et cetera. And then I just totally stopped and I've started to read it again now. And mm. in some ways it's so weird because it's old yes. and it's a very, very different me. Uh, so in some ways it feels like quite childish, but some of it can be still used. So um, I keep meaning to carry on with that, but... Yeah, it's one of those things where I really want to finish a novel and get one published. So that's definitely on the list. Do you read many novels? Because I've always wondered, I've heard a lot of novelists say you have to read in order to yeah, be able to that, write. Do you agree with that? Or do you read? Agree. Do you have time to read novels? Well, this is the thing. I absolutely agree with that. And I'm rubbish at reading. I, mean, I, <laughs> I, read, I read a lot, but I, read, I don't finish very hardly anything. So it's like... <laughs> I'm quite sort of like, if I start reading something, um, I have to really grip me before I carry up, if I go to the finish. But for example, I start reading, I'll start reading something and then I have to go back to the library. And so I've got loads of half finished stuff. You're and talking about I fiction? Read, I'm talking about fiction. Okay. Yeah, but also non-fiction. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't read as much as I should. And it's, it's poor, basically. So yeah, it's another thing I bang my head on a wall about my... Lack of reading. I've I given... read a lot of children's novels actually because I read a lot of stuff to my kids. I read kids' stuff to my kids when I get to ah. bed. So, yeah. I've uh, recently given myself permission to not finish books, but but I'm only talking about nonfiction. So as soon as I kind of accepted that, like stop giving myself guilt, man, that changed because now I just kind of go through books really quickly. Uh, but I don't think I could do that for fiction. But for nonfiction, I go through a lot of books now. Because uh, yeah, I joined I, think... I joined Scribed. So I just, I'll flip through books and I'll just stay on chapters that I like. And then if I don't like it, I'll move on guilt-free. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great show. I mean, I've always been like, basically, as far as I'm concerned, like when you read a, a book, it's a, it's a contract between the writer and the reader. And if the mm. writer is supposed to deliver in the first three chapters, then he doesn't deliver, deserve my attention. Good I mean, there point. are millions of amazing books in the world. Why should I give my time to someone who's not grab my attention and, you know, decent, interesting characters you know, doing interesting things? I mean, 
uh, Anna, my like wife, has a uh, very different attitude towards reading books. She literally reads every book to the end, regardless of if she's not wow. liking it. And I really respect that in many ways, but I just like, no, I've, I've, if they haven't captured my attention or grabbed me in three, four chapters, then. Yeah. Then, you shouldn't be obliged to finish if no way. I don't. <laughs> okay. And then can we talk a little bit about your actual marketing creative agency side so what is in tank and what do you do at in tank yeah um so we have three sort of areas of like expertise we have like sort of we're doing a lot more of this actually recently so we we used to be a lot more like production focused but now we do a lot more like sort of creative concepting we do like campaign ideas we do a lot of workshops like seo like sort of um a lot more of the sort of like cerebral stuff. Uh, and then, of course, we, I mean, the best way to describe it is, is to actually just talk about a campaign. So, for example, last year I did like, we launched this Duolingo, which is a is like a, a language app. So they came mm. to us and said they want, to, they want to launch the Finnish version of Duolingo in Finland. Mm. What, what should we do? So we sat down and we came up with the idea of uh, come out, trying to discover the world's happiest word. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. What a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And that was based around the fact that, you know, Finns are four years in a row, the world's happiest people. Uh, yep. So the sort of like logical, slightly convoluted path would be that if Finns are the world's happiest people, then the words that they make them the happiest <laughs> must be the world's happiest words. That's so it's logical. No, I follow that logic. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, the whole point was we have a fun a fun idea that would people would get behind. So that was the concept. And then uh, they bought into that. They loved that. And then the production and, you know, putting that into action was uh, we produced, like, I launched a launch video. Um, we're launching the world's various uh, – launching a competition to find the world's happiest word. And, like, it was a shout-out to people to share their world's happiest – their happiest words, basically. Yep. so that was the and then we did loads of, and we did like a uh, video we did like a lot of uh, sort of infographic stuff uh, and what was the uh, result the result was like shit like well the result and then we used all that content on the various channels we had so basically we we, we conceived the idea we produced the content and then we shared it on very fish problems channels and the result was they got like something like 200,000 downloads it was like four times more than they'd wanted to get I got almost two I think it was like 1500 entries uh, and we got made like a video of me launching the competition. Then we made videos of um, people's words, and we did like the, uh, the finalists based upon votes. I had so many people get involved, and we had people like Darude. We had like a lot of Finnish like celebrities were sharing their words <laughs> on on Twitter and stuff. So it was a beautiful campaign, and it was like everyone was super happy. And ultimately, my philosophy when it comes to anything like this is that everyone should be a winner. So. The company, the client should be a winner. The people, the the audience should be a winner. The people who've done mm. in the app should be the winner. And of course, we should be winners. And it was just really beautifully done. Everyone was happy. It was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it really showcased what we do at Ink Tank at best, actually, I think. Like coming out of cool ideas, creating the content that makes those ideas happen, and then promoting that content on the channels we have. So, but not all the time. Of course, there's time where people just want us to come up with like a campaign concepts or you know to do a script or something and there were times where people just want to 
have got content already which they want to use on our media channels. So, and then also we typically finish and English. So that's the thing that really defines us. Uh, and I want to know, was there a final word that you settled on as the world's happiest word? There were five, actually. There were five. Ooh, fact, there do were you ten. remember them? There were, there were ten. The ten, there were ten. Well, basically it was all done on votes. So it was all like, because we made, we had votes on Instagram. Uh, we had votes on Facebook and votes on Twitter. And they were all added up. And the final word, and it was actually the, then when the final words came out, we got loads of, they got loads of PR as well, Duolingo. They were everywhere. It was like the world's happiest words was, I mean, if you search it, then you'll yeah. find. So do you want to, I've got all 10 here actually, but if you want, do you want to be in reverse order? Yes, please. <laughs> in reverse order. So in reverse order, number three. This is well, so awesome. Well, this is perfect. I won't, I won't do all 10. Okay. In reverse, do the top five. five. Top five. Okay. Interestingly, of the top five, uh, one was one mine yeah one was this was one one of mine which was lumpy mumpy which i don't know how to do it. lumpy mumpy is like warmer so like lumpy mumpy piva would be like a warmer day lumpy i just love that mumpy. that already lumpy. made me smile so much that's a happy no, word no. yes yeah, a happy word then the fourth one was murky which is okay. of course cottage yep summer uh, cottage and the third one third one was loomy which is snow Lumi. Uh, the, okay. se- the second one was Bupal. Oh, Bupal was only my <laughs> as well, which is like, yeah, it feels perfect. It does uh, not make me, it does not fail to make me laugh, Bupal. <laughs> Wait, then, what, yeah. what was the translation, did you say? It's bunny. Yes, that's But right. it's sort yeah. of like, uh, yeah, it's sort of like a like darling sort of. In fact, Lumpy Mumpy and Bupal were both in my five in, when I Bupu. launched the, the campaign. I have a similar uh, word, but I'll tell you after. So Bupu for bunny yeah. is at number two. Okay, now drum roll for the drum happiest roll, word. The world's happiest word is supple. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> most people pronounce it wrong as well because it's like S over dots, P over dots. And that basically is like, it's a bit like Bupu, but it's sort of cute. means yep. cute. A lot of people use it, so... Super so good. yeah, that that, wow. that that is the world. So appreciate cool. the world. Happiest word, super. I so, actually yeah, agree. Super, super, and poo <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and actually, if you look at the top ten, they're all really reflective. Of, okay, because uh, I have a word that always makes me laugh when my wife says it. It's um, I don't know if you know it. It's the word for um, Q-tips. You know the what do you call it? Cotton buds. All right, you're on it. I may know, but or is it see. cotton? I think it's a word for cotton, and it's and it. I don't remember it now. It's embarrassing, but it goes something like you know, like boop beep or something like that. <laughs> and it just it has a few, a lot of p's and a couple of vowels separating what? a lot of p's. I, yeah, I think uh, I think that was someone mentioned that. I think that was listed. I can't remember it either. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, because I it's had a couple like, of also... p's separated by a few vowels. And it just always works. I should pick it up. We had, because we, we made a couple of videos of people sharing on video their own f- happy words. Right. And there were two versions of that. And I think that may have been included. I'll send you That's links to funny. it afterwards. Yes. Yeah. I'm it include a, them here. And the reason I love that as well is because I really like Duolingo. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've used it. Yes. Um, but it's a really nice app and it's free. And the whole philosophy behind Duolingo is to help people. It's like it was set up to be free by a bloke. I think he was from Guatemala and he went to the States and he just wanted an app that would help people learn English. So the whole philosophy behind it is, is really beautiful. And it was like, it was just a really nice campaign. Mm. Uh, How so, is yeah. your finish these days? 
Jag menar på hur ta det eller hur någonstans. Mutta yritetään oppii parempi. Se on Tosi hyvä. I'm alright, but I'm not good enough. I mean, still need to get better to get citizenship, so. Oh, are you going for citizenship? I am absolutely going for citizenship because I'm so, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've got, of course, we've got the permanent residence thing here, but like, there's no way. I mean, everyone, a lot of people I know now have, have got it and I've just been so crap. It's mm. been five years moaning and whining and <laughs> pulling my few remaining strands of hair out about Brexit. And I just like, I really, really am not going to let the idiocy of like Brexit Johnson and the Tory party take away my, take away my EU citizenship. So yeah, I will get it, but. I mean, COVID sort of screwed up my plans by virtue of the fact I have to take the test and the test kept getting cancelled. But now I think, uh, yeah, I'll probably go for it this year. What about you? Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm not planning to do citizenship, but <laughs> I mean, I'm not planning to be here permanent. I don't think I'm going to be here permanent. Yeah. I mean, I don't know either, but I just want my EU citizenship back. I just want my EU passport. Yeah, because you have Spain and stuff to consider. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, you know, there are other places that I might want to live, but those places would typically be in the EU. And the result of me not having EU citizenship makes that a lot harder. So I have a gateway and a pathway to that, which I'm really going to you know, make the most of. Mm. Awesome. So tell me what are your plans for the next, say, year or so? Like, what's... What's on oh, Joel's plate? What's at the top of your mind? That's a big question. I don't know. I mean, like, I really don't know. I mean, I've become a lot more chilled out. Like, in Tang, we've sort of very much adapted how we've been doing stuff. So, yeah, I'm a lot less... I mean, for a start, there's less of us than we were, like, a year and a half ago. And I'm a lot... So, it's, it's, in some ways, is makes my life a lot easier because a lot of stuff like what I was doing, I was like constantly pitching to get new work, to pay people. And do you still enjoy I that? I feel like you enjoy the thrill of the chase and the hunt and the pitch. Are you one of those people? I mean, I like pitching stuff and I like doing stuff, but I, I like to do it on my, at my own pace. And I don't like last year, for example, I mean, this time, a little, this time in February, things were going brilliantly. We had loads of stuff on the cards. We were doing a lot of stuff, which was basically culture-based or travel-based or hotels or, and then all that thing, all that went down the toilet as a result of COVID. So, but it was like, you know, the more people you employ, then the more stress it is. And uh, (laughs) you can't, you can't have, if the more, you you have to have enough work, to pay their to pay their wages basically and it's not even that just like managing people and managing different personalities and managing you know and just juggling so many balls and i realized like certainly i mean i was a sales manager and i had like six seven a team of six or seven in the uk and you know i loved that it was cool but then think about sales management is very different to like being like creative director where you're trying to manage creative people because sales it's like you're all you have one goal that yep. you're all united which is to sell and make as much money as possible that month. You're yep. all doing more or less the same thing. You can all help each other out towards the same. You're all the same sort of people as well. We're not, you know, salespeople vary as much as every human, you know, all humans, but they have similar sort of priorities and similar ways of looking at the world, similar, you know, areas of expertise. So, and like the goal you have, goals you have is basically very clear and, everyone can understand it. Whereas like, you know, you've got a creative agency that's yep. like, you can have like 10, 12 different projects happening simultaneously, loads of different stuff happening and you never, you can't really manage it all. And you have to like, often you have to like, you know, sort stuff out after it's gone out and it's like, and then you have to, 
it's just so much to do constantly and you feel like you're never going to do it all and uh, there's a lot of compromises so now it's got to the stage where i just like pick and choose more the stuff i do i mean last week for example we did we did the stuff of this dumper 26 which is like dumper's bid to become european capital of culture so i had to go, go do a bit of keynote talk for the judges and i made a video and if they win we'll be doing more stuff so it's really nice it was just like you know it was like doing cool stuff that we like to do without the sort of pressures of having to do everything all the time. So yeah, pretty downsizing and spending more time doing stuff I want to do rather than trying to do everything. So in that sense, bizarrely, and I hate to say it, COVID has been a bit of a blessing actually. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Makes me look at world differently and life differently and just assess my, assess what I'm doing. Yeah, that's a, is that good? Is that a crap answer? No, know. it's an awesome answer, and I think we all just have to come, wait and see how we come out of this. Yeah, I, um, I really. I mean, I mean, I'm very. I've now got first vaccine, so that's a wonderful thing. Have you? Nice. Uh, yeah, got the first one. Yeah, what are the benefits of middle age? And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm just looking forward to traveling again and seeing my family. And yeah, it's like the uh, light is kind of visible now at the end of the tunnel, would you yeah, say? Because I watch, as you know, I watch a lot of basketball and NBA and now the yeah. arenas, they've they've started to let the people back in the arenas and that feels like, wow, it's coming back to normal now. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, the, the sort of the goalpost or the light keeps moving, doesn't it? It's like you True. think they're there, then you're not there. So, but yeah, I'm just like trying to chill out a bit more and be like less, actually less focused on, making loads of money actually it's just like <laughs> i mean it's not even that i'm particularly material i'm not even like massively material well, i'm not materialistic in any way or i'm not even like massively into making huge amounts of money but when you've got loads of people working for you then you have to make you have a money. responsibility yeah, exactly so it feels like i have the less people i have working yeah uh, less responsibilities i have and also i mean you know i like to work with lots of different people and like you having a more sort of fluid working arrangement means you can just work with different people who are skilled at different things so so, so basically yeah. what you're saying is you're embracing the new normal yeah absolutely is- and enough it's like i used to work like that a lot in the past and it was only in the last few years that i've had a we sort of built ink tank up to be a more like traditional yes employing people properly in a like an office environment and in fact ironically it was literally even start of 2020 um, was the first time we were having people come in five days a week. Beforehand, people could work from home, and it was like, mm. we thought, okay, let's try and make things a bit more like have everyone in at the same time. Wow, okay. So, yeah, the timing was absolutely pants for wow. that. I really, I really failed on that front. So, but now we've just really gone back to how it was, like how we worked maybe like eight or so years ago. And it's, it's nice, actually. It's just, yeah. And very finished so, is always going to be a thing that I can rely on to, to get new projects. So, that's also good. So you're going to embrace the, because oh, the way I see it with the future, every, everybody is going to be outsourcing everything. You know, there's, companies are going to be smaller. More people are going to be freelancers. And because you can literally outsource anything, shouldn't we embrace that? Even look at schools and video calls. Like a year ago, it was unimaginable. Yeah. Now we're forced into doing it. So now I've, I feel that more and more people are forced to, outsource and well i mean also in terms of a business perspective it's, it's a lot more like i mean employing people in finland 
it's really expensive mm, and it's like it, also it's really difficult to sack people if yes you can't, to if end that's yeah <laughs> like you know i don't i don't mean really like i mean i'm always and my mind my recruitment policy was always a bit flawed it's like people would come to me and say oh can I have a job? And I'm like, well, what can you do? And if I saw any sort of even kernel of talent, then I'd like give them the opportunity. Cause like, you know, I think, you know, that's what happened to me when I came here. So I like trying to help people out. But like, which ended up meaning that at one stage we had like six copywriters, which was totally, totally, <laughs> totally unnecessary. But um, I think, you know, if you can find the most important thing is to find trusted, like people you can collaborate with. So you know, people who you've got skills and expertise that you couldn't afford to employ on a daily basis because you haven't got like enough work. Like, for example, work with a very talented, like graphic motion animator. I mean, that's a really mm. skilled, skilled profession. And I'm never going to have like loads of graphic motion graphic work. But when I do mm. have it, I'm back here to go to. So I think that's the important thing, like finding, yeah, people you can work. Because, like, you know, freelancing is also all good, but it's finding the right freelancers, basically. Mm. so yeah but i agree that that model is definitely the way forward yeah cool you are highly qualified to answer the question of the differences between finnish buyers let's say and non-finnish buyers in terms of like attention spans for example like the Finns, you you don't have to have constant distracting entertainment all the time you 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 have their attention or do you think that still applies or not i think uh, i mean i think every culture sells differently i mean you know if you compare it to, like the us and finland it's like two extremes isn't it to extent i mean of course you can, generalizing is is a bit dangerous but like i mean when i lived in when i lived in i lived in canada and i lived in vancouver for like a year and i used to get to see a lot of american like advertising tv stuff and it's just so like come like you know come to my shop and buy my stuff it's brilliant and i'll give you 50 percent off and it's just like there's no there's no nuance or subtlety to it there's no like it's just like buy my stuff and oh here's a massive discount so and I, bizarrely enough when i was in canada they actually used to have showings at the cinema of british ad campaigns like it's showing <laughs> ad campaigns is like a like a sort of uh you could go and watch them because they were so much more subtle, you know, like humour. I'm a huge fan of using humour in, like, marketing in general. I just think it's much undervalued by many... A lot of companies shy away from humour because they think it it belittles what they do. Um, But I think in Finland, it's a lot more... I mean, people... I don't think the, the American way would work in Finland at all. People would be, like, would be less... a lot less trusting of some, like... I mean, even here, the idea of salespeople is a dirty word in Finland. It's like, yeah. I think you can jump at the way people buy, by the, by the way people relate to salespeople. Like, I think in the UK, into the, in the US, sales is a lot more respected profession. But here, if you talk about a salesperson, then people sort of sneer and they're like, mm. so, and they don't really trust salespeople either. So I think it's more gaining people's trust here uh, uh, rather than just them getting, a, you know, banging out deals. Um But But the thing is, does that mean Americans are more trusting than fans? Or is it like attention span? Like they. I think Americans. Yeah, yeah. it's probably something to do with that as well, because ultimately, like, if you look at how many. I mean, we're bombarded. I mean, capitalism is always about buying junk we don't need, isn't it? I mean, creating urges that we don't have to buy stuff we don't need. And you walk around. You know, America, the U.S. is the uh, epitome of that whole 
philosophy where you can you're just literally bombarded from the moment you wake up mm. to buy stuff like every mm. possible medium everywhere you go i mean there's research being done about how many times you see adverts in different mm. countries and america is by far the highest so when you're crowned with messages buy this buy that you need this you need that then of course the, you have less uh, you have less less time to grab people's attention. I mean, even the thing that's astonishing to me was like you'd watch a TV program in the states, and as the credits were go rolling, they would have an advertising break between yep. credits, and you'd go yep. <laughs> have, oh like, I mean, so in there, you really saw that like TV was really just a vehicle to show ads. Um, and I think you know in Finland that's that's less the case. Yeah, so, that's what I'm noticing. Uh, what you just said. <laughs> um, ad break during credits it's also if you i don't know if you've noticed now with hollywood movies you have a trailer but now you need to have a three second version of the trailer before the trailer starts have you noticed that insane, isn't it? have you noticed it uh, i've been to cinema for so long sadly I no, but, <laughs> but even when you watch a trailer now i noticed it it blew me oh, away yeah, and you have a trailer before a tra- the trailer starts yeah they show you a three second version of the whole trailer and then the actual trailer starts. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, what I'm noticing is people are afraid to lose your attention. Like they, they, they just have to do something really drastic to grab you because they know you're going to be gone in a. That's in a, so true. In a I mean, look at the internet. I mean, you look at the internet. It's just full of like dings and bings and bongs and blings. The distraction is constant. And for me, I love the internet. It's the most one of the most amazing. Well, it's probably arguably one of the most amazing creations in in human history. But like, uh, it's full of distraction. I mean, whenever I'm researching anything, I could be researching. I don't know. You know how 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 sofas are made. Next thing I know, I'll be finding out about like the history of like the Alice in Wonderland or something. Do you know what I mean? I just go down this yeah. wormhole of like links and clicks, and who who knows where I end you up? You can go so, as deep as you want. Yeah, exactly. For people who are easily distracted, the internet is a total nightmare. So you have no choice but to instantaneously try and catch people's attention, and that battle for attention is is just ever more intense. And it right. all revolves around. The sad thing is, it doesn't revolve around. The battle for attention doesn't revolve around typically educating people and inspiring people. It revolves around getting them to buy stuff they don't need. And that, to me, is like, yeah, it's the saddest thing about... Okay, like, the okay. Cap- so then the big question is, can we get someone's attention through education and inspiration? Is that even possible? Yeah, I mean, absolutely you can, definitely. I mean, you know, they're, I mean, they're up against so much competition. A lot of like, I mean, if you look at the marketing industry and advertising, a lot of people, you know, if you're a creative person and you want to have a decent life and you want to earn money, then there are, you know, you could be, you can be an author, you can be an artist, you can be a musician, but probably like 95% of the people who are in that profession have got, haven't got a pit, pot to piss in. Mm. So... You know, the other option is the option I took was to, to, to do creative things. I mean, I like to create things every single day. It's like a sort of urge I have. I feel like the days, even if those things are not like anything particularly special, I feel it's an urge I have. And I feel like the day's been wasted if I don't create something. But like, um, typically, typically, um, yeah, typically, uh, that means, um, I mean, I lost my track of thought because I've got someone just waved at me. Sorry, but like, what was I saying? Um, you have the urge to create every day. Yeah, so it feels like a waste if you don't create. People go, talented creative people work in marketing. And so inevitably they're very good at creating things that gain people's attention. And, you know, academic, inspiring and educational things, of course, are written by talented people as well and created by talented people. 
but they're up against some stiff competition ultimately was my point love it love it and just because we are like if you if you want to educate and inspire and just because you're up against people with bad intentions as competition, it doesn't mean you should stop trying to educate and inspire, would you say? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, look at something like Vice, for example. I mean, it's amazing, like, online channels and communities where, like, YouTube channels and, you know, I've got this, um, I've subscribed to this History Matters YouTube channel. It's, like, it's brilliant. It's, like, animated three-minute, I mean, and it's a, actually, it's, it's history. I mean, I studied history, so I'm a bit of a history nerd. And, um... And this channel is basically, it has three minute and 10 minute videos and it will like tech and it's, it's adapted itself to take into account people's short attention spans. Awesome. And I love awesome. watching these little snippets of like, you know, these little anime and they're finally, the way the tone and everything is brilliant. I'll send you a link actually. It's like, yeah, well, I've already written it down. Yeah. History matters. Yeah. I, mean, I should make sure it's called history matters, but hang on. <laughs> <when it's... laughs> okay. Don't worry. I'll, I'll find. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. Look, I, I, yeah, I like that because it gives you a choice of here's a little teaser. If you want to go deeper, here's a longer one. Yeah, it's you so choose. true. I mean, also TikTok is a good example of that as well. I mean, I, I was really, I really spurned TikTok. I mean, very finished problems. We're now on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. So I've gone five wow. different channels. And I like really spurned TikTok. I thought it was just dancing girls uh, because my daughter was showing me these like, yeah, yep. dance. I was like, okay, that looks cool. If you're if you're a teenage dancing girl, which I'm clearly not. <laughs> uh, but then I realised when I joined it that it's actually loads of cool stuff. There's loads of people doing, and like that that uh, one minute is it even one minute? And they've now made it up to three minutes. Beforehand, mm. it was like one minute. The one minute like restriction. I like really the limit. Yeah, it, like, it focuses you. I mean, a lot of the fiction I used to do, flash fiction, was a very set limit. It could be like two hundred words or five hundred words. And it really sort of focuses are mind. useful. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. more dangerous than unlimited options. Yeah, I mean, that's, and also, yeah, I mean, you had like unlimited time. You could just go babbling on forever. So, yeah, I mean, there are, I think that you know that that battle for attention has made people adapt uh, the way they create things in in different ways. And there has been like real, real benefits to that. But like sometimes it's nice just to wallow in something that's long, isn't it? Rather than mm. having good bombarded with bits and pieces. Mr. Joel Willens, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to speak to you, sir. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Sorry I was going on so long. I just, I just had no, to I love, <laughs> I love hearing your stories. Massive, like, peak caffeine for me at the moment. And you asked, and I was just like... <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. It's full of, full of golden nuggets. So well, thanks again. You're, you're very kind. <laughs> All right, that was Joel Willens. You can find him, well, you can find him everywhere online. Uh, a good place to start might be veryfinishproblems.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Tan Le. This is Marketing Helsinki. Please visit marketinghelsinki.com for more conversations with professionals from around the world discussing personal and business philosophy.